Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Espo, and you've heard me talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night. So if your dating life's boring, DraftKings will make your night exciting regardless. And it's simple to do, unlike dating. Or, or unlike marriage for those of you that are married. So draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. Every moment. Every moment in a game means more, which is crazy because right now in the finals, every moment's about to give me a heart attack. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. It's DraftKings. That's all you need. That's what you need to know. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code TBPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code TBPN to get a free entry with your deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum Deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hi, everyone. Tim Kitzer here, the voice of NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Welcome to the Solar Panel. Tonight's matchup, Espo versus the Silver Fox versus Carmel Thunder. Boomer Shakalaka. Ahoy, ahoy! Hello, and welcome everybody into another edition of the Solar Panel. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, ahoy! Joining me as always is the Silver Fox. He's a man, a myth, and a legend in his own mind. It's Dave King. Dave, how are you? Hey, my mind is a beautiful place to be, so I'm good. I'm all good. For you. And joining us for the first time on this show today, it's the Carmel Thunder from Down Under. It is Saul Bookman. Saul, how are you? I am. Uh, I've had better mornings. I will say that. That's for sure. I have a blinding migraine, so I feel like, like we're doing all... this for the second time this morning. So it's, it's like fine. So you guys all fell apart. See, I, I wasn't on every single one of those post game pods. I think that's what did you guys in. It's like suddenly you guys are just like your computer's crashing, your <clears throat> brain is crashing, everything's crashing. No, I mean My the brain's face, not that's... crashing. It's just. Well, Espo's brain's crashing because he's That's got a migraine. Look, Espo, yeah. my face didn't know what to do without the beard, and everything's gone haywire since. So let's uh, let's talk some suns, boys. Uh, as I mentioned in 
if you're listening on the podcast, you have no idea that we actually did this open already. But if you're watching on the <laughs> on the video stream, <laughs> the oh, you're well editing. aware. So, uh, you know, look, most years we'd have about two months to break down uh, what is going to happen going into the offseason, especially the last, uh, you know, 11 years. We've had probably three three or four months to talk about what's going to happen in the draft and free agency. But guess what? Just like when in high school or college, you slacked off on a project that they assigned you three months ago. We got mere days to get this done because the NBA draft is Thursday. Free agency starts August 2nd, actually the legal tampering period. And, uh, you know, that means we're off to the races. There is no time like the present to break down things. And to help us do that, we have Nikias Duncan joining us on the program. <laughs> there he is, Nikias. Hey! How, how are you, man? I, I am doing well. Uh, I figured that something was going wrong when I finished my full answer and I was just getting blanks there. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this isn't going, <laughs> going the way it's supposed to be. But I'm glad don't, to be back. Hopefully, I think we're good now. <laughs> yeah, we don't are. feel you too bad. Yeah. Dave, Dave usually gives blank stares at the end of an answer. So <laughs> That's just because I'm old. That's, that's an age problem. You know, so, just like your grandpa. Okay. So let's hop back into it. We'll re-rack this. When, when you look at the Suns uh, coming off of uh, an improbable finals run, uh, finished second in, in the league record-wise. What do you think they have to focus on this offseason? What's going to be key to trying to keep things uh, successful going into next year as well? Um, I think the first domino to fall is going to be the Chris Paul situation, whether that's going to be an opt-in and extend, an opt-in playing out the year, and then rolling things over next year. If it's opting out to get into some kind of three-year deal, figuring out what's going on with Chris Paul is going to be first. And from there, like I think it's just kind of patching up holes. Like I think what we saw in the finals, particularly the back end, is that beyond DeAndre Ayton, they mm -hmm. didn't have many counters. Like their best backup big was Dario Sarge. He's obviously lost early in the series with a torn ACL. And from there, Nick's back from Frank Kaminsky. They tried to go small with Torrey Craig. Didn't provide the same kind of rim element that DeAndre Ayton did because, of course, how would he with, with the size difference? Right. So, like, I think some of that's just going to be internal improvement with Jalen Smith, just seeing what you're going to be able to get out of him, giving him an actual offseason some help. But also, like, finding a veteran, finding a, you know, quote-unquote traditional big that can kind of uh, replicate some of what DeAndre brings as a, as a rim threat, um, as a vertical spacer, as a rim protector. Just so you can have those different options, even if Sarge ends up being your primary guy whenever he's back. Uh, just having different options in the bag because Phoenix ran out of them in the final. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as the as the backup big, I mean, there's there's lots of names going around. Uh, you know, the usual retreads of of guys who who uh, cling around, cling on at the uh, at the beginning of every season. Um, what kind of big would you look for if you're James Jones? You said a rim protecting big, but do, does it need to be a guy who can switch out defensively? There's not many of those guys. Yeah, there's not many. So I don't think it has to be that. Like again, like you. Once you get into the postseason, in particular, like you just want options. Like you have DeAndre Ayton that kind of gives you that two-way force and that physicality. Um, you have Dario Sarge that can give you some of the shooting, some of the playmaking. You have Frank Kaminsky in theory that can give you like the traditional pick and pop kind of game there. So I think what they're missing is another, you know, a, a vertical threat. Like you know, looking at uh, <laughs> now Olympian JaVale McGee, 
like a guy. I that, was just going to say, know, JaVale. Yeah. Like on a random Tuesday night can give you 14 minutes just because you need someone that can just run the floor hard, steal off guys, catch lobs. Just to have, just to have that dynamic. You don't, he doesn't have to be a consistent part of your rotation. Specifically, since you just, you know, you just invested a first round pick in the big man. So he's going to be part of your future plans. But just someone that can soak up those minutes and can match up with very specific bigs or specific teams. Like I think they just need that in the bag. You know, you were very vocal after the finals about uh, people just kind of slandering Chris Paul. Um, seemingly, you know, obviously people have uh, recency bias and they just go off of what they see in the last couple of games. But obviously, Chris Paul was dealing with a lot more than just a bad game. You know, yeah, a lot of injuries. We just still don't know what was really going on with his right arm. Uh, you know, obviously the Lakers series took a toll on him. But he was able to bounce back, and I think that's what surprised people about this series. Drew Holiday had a significant toll on him. What what would you say to people who want to continue to disrespect CP3 and the method he went about these playoffs and his overall career? Watch something else. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what, like uh, I, I did a radio hit um, a little earlier in the postseason. And I was asked, like, what would a finals win and a finals MVP do for Chris Paul's legacy or, like, what that made for people? And I was just – my first answer was if Chris Paul winning a ring now or winning a finals MVP now solidifies who he is in the game to you, then I have no idea what you've been watching throughout his entire career. Like, it sounds harsh, but genuinely. Like, he's been one of the best playmakers in NBA history. Like, he's a very good shooter. He's been a very good defender for pretty much the majority, if not all, of his career. So, like, him getting a late career title obviously would be great. Give you a little bit of a resume booster. But ultimately, like, Chris Paul is who he is. So as I look at what he's done this season, he brought everything that anyone that's been watching Chris Paul for any amount of time thought he would bring. He brought leadership on and off the court. He brought the pull-up shooting. He was one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA this season. He brought the playmaking. The assists were back up. Like, this is who Chris Paul is. So I just don't understand where – he has a strong postseason showing, and then he has some bad games due to injury, due to defensive adjustment from Milwaukee, whatever. And it's, well, now the legacy takes a hit. Like, this is a dude that has been an all-timer for his entire career. The one glaring hole in his resume was that, you know, going back a couple of years, he hadn't made a conference finals. He finally made one. And then this year, it's like, okay, he hadn't been to the finals. He made the finals, had you know, through two games, at least looked like the finals MVP. I don't know how debatable that is on this show, but looked like the finals MVP through two games. The back half of the series was not great for him, but like he was a positive impact player in the finals at age 36 after being an all NBA caliber player at age 36. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Nikias. If you're, if you're James Jones, do you give him a three-year deal? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would actually. I mean, we we're we're going to talk about this uh, um, a lot in the next. Well, actually, in the next ten days because they have to decide pretty quick <laughs> what they're going to do. But I'd rather just um, have him pick up his player option, spend forty four million this next year, and then when they have to extend Aiden and Bridges and get those guys on the books, have him at, at a lower number for the two after that. You know, do a do. But mm -hmm. basically, it's three years. So you would you would have him for three years. Um, hoping uh, that he's good for at least two of those uh, going into his late. The thing is, looks like his his uh, game translates to old age because mm -hmm. he doesn't play very fast, but the, he just has to stay healthy. Uh, and uh, we got we got to see what's going on with the wrist and all that stuff. But uh, we got to assume he's going to be healthy. And and 
you're right. He's he's brought the leadership that took them to the finals. And he he his stats in the finals across those six games were better than uh, just about any. It's just it's crazy because he was over 20 points and eight assists or something like that. Um, and for the playoffs. So uh, people in our own chat are saying, I hope he's not a choke artist. Um, do you see Chris Paul being a choke artist because of his his uh, his last four games? No, I, I don't. Like, I think in general, when we get into this kind of talk, not just with Chris Paul, but just basketball in general. So much of this guy choked, this guy didn't bring it, this guy didn't live up in it. He kind of disrespect what the other team does. Like, the adjustment from Milwaukee, not just to bring full court pressure and put Drew Harvey on Chris Paul more, but to also have more help at the nails, more more stunts, uh, more timely switches, playing the big higher up and drop coverage. and pick up. Like, all of that factors in to Chris Paul being less than what Chris Paul usually is. So even if you want to go with the choke angle, like that's not it. Like there was a lot of factors, and then you add in the help and stuff. So Chris Paul absolutely could have played better, should have played better. Like the turnovers were kind of inexcusable, but we don't we don't have to get into choke artist stuff. Like there were actual basketball things going on. Well, another guy who takes a lot of heat, uh, probably more locally than it is nationally, is DeAndre Ayton. How were you impressed with? Uh, or, or were you impressed with the way that he evolved this season? And what do you think that next step for DeAndre Ayton is going into 2022? Uh, to answer the first question, yes, I was very impressed with what he did. Like, he made a believer out of me. Not, I won't even say that I wasn't a DeAndre Ayton believer because what I saw from him defensively last season really just honestly surprised me. Like, I didn't think he was going to make that kind of growth that early. Like, I thought the DeAndre Ayton we saw defensively last season was what we would see in, like, year four, year five. So for him to make that leap in year two, basically, is just absurd. And he improved on that. Like, he became more solid defensively, looked better in the drop, still looked comfortable on switches, did a little bit better job as the year went on, like, navigating different actions. Uh, this, is some, this is stuff that we talked about on the Dunker Spot podcast. But um, he found another level this season and then found another level in the postseason, which is where it really is supposed to count. And, like, he was a question mark for me heading into the postseason. Like, okay, we've seen this consistent growth. But now this is the playoffs. Like, it's more focused. It's, okay, we know he doesn't do particularly well against this very specific play, so we're going to spam this six times in a row see how he does. Like, it gets that granular in the postseason. So I was wondering, like, how that would look and what he would do offensively because, you know, he's not Hakeem Olajuwon on the low post. You know, he's a guy that can mash the mismatch when he's feeling aggressive, but he's ultimately like a face-up guy. You worry about, waste, you know, wasting possessions in the postseason especially with Phoenix playing as slow as he did. But, like, he passed all of those tests. Like, he defended well. He rebounded well. The switches was there. The switches were there when they went to it. The drop was there when they went to it. He played with consistent force. In transition, he sealed off his guys early, did his homework early, all that cliche stuff. Got easy buckets, got to the field. So, like, he did everything you wanted. It got to a point in the finals to where, again, Sarge goes down. They didn't really have a reliable backup five option to where he was just overtaxed at a certain point. Like, he already had his hands full dealing with Giannis because he's freaking Giannis. But then we say, okay, we also need you to play, like, 44, 45 minutes because we don't have anybody else. Like, of course there are going to be more mistakes. Like, as Giannis gets more of a feel of Aiden, because it's not just two times in the regular season now. Now it's four times, five times, six times in a row. Then, yeah, he's going to get the best of them. But ultimately, I was very impressed with what Aiden did. I think heading into the offseason, it's continue to commit to the little things, as cliche as that is. Not don't just make the running hard, sealing off, setting hard screens type thing a two month endeavor. Like it has to be an every game thing, and then finding something consistent with the post game. 
I think this is what it is. Because I think him gaining inside positioning, I think he's very good at that now. And it's just finding something. Like, if it's a consistent jump hook, that's cool. If it's some kind of counter with, like, an up and under or whatever. Like, finding something consistent. Because I don't think they're I don't think Phoenix is going to get to the point where they want to run offense through him on purpose, not at a high volume. But, like, it would be nice on, like, uh, I want to say game game four, I want to say. Game four or game five, when Devin Booker had it going and really nobody else did. It would have been nice if you could have, like, a four or five-minute stretch to say, all right, DeAndre, Book's on the bench. It's you and Chris Paul. Chris doesn't have it. We need you to get us something. And, like, he didn't have that. And that's not necessarily a fault of his. But that's just that is a goal for him to aim for if he wants to make that next leap as an individual player. If you yeah, were like James going... Jones, okay, if you were James Jones, would you give him the max this offseason since he's eligible for it? Yeah, I'd do that. Like I yeah. think he already brings the impact on both ends. And even with that first contract extension, it's more projection than anything. Like if he's this good, he's gonna continue to improve. Like of course you give him the max and that deal is gonna look better in a year or two. He's only twenty three. Yeah. As I mean... of yesterday. Yeah, as of yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, as opposed to uh, Kevin Durant, who got happy birthday sung to him, but it wasn't his birthday. <laughs> that, he that, was that's actually a, having a birthday. That's a quality bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's shift to uh, Mikhail Bridges, who's another extension-eligible uh, guy this this summer. Nikaias um, likes him some Mikhail Bridges. I know that. Oh, uh, but he's genuinely one of my favorite players in the league. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, he's just one of those he's, he's one of those guys you just you just appreciate having on the team. You can't live without him. Even though he did not have a standout playoffs this year, he it seemed like every matchup was a bad one for him. It seemed like he was being put up against guys who were bigger and stronger than he was. And, but he was still incredibly effective out there. He just um, didn't step up in the way DeAndre Aiden stepped up. Mikel uh, mm-hmm. did not uh, have a coming out party in the playoffs. So do you, what do you see for an extension for him if, if the Suns are going to go an extension route this summer with both guys? Um, I think the low end for Mikel Bridges is going to be like 490. Honestly, just because the brand of perimeter defense that he brings is rare. And if you can defend like that and not down threes, you're going to get paid. Once you add in the fact that he defends that way, he knocks down threes. He also provides value as a cutter. We've seen him sprinkle in more pull-up jumpers. Like, there are some on-ball effort. He can attack closeouts. He's not just a spot-up guy. And then if you run at him, he's, he's terrified. Like, he can do some things with the ball. And again, you're projecting forward with this first, with the first extension coming off the rookie deal. So I think you know, 490 is probably going to be the low end for him. Like I think the easy comparison to make would be like OG Ananobi from last year. But I think he's going to get paid more than that just because of the market. Um, that's just generally how that works. So I think that's where you start with him. I'm, I think anyone in Phoenix fans organization otherwise should be pretty excited for what he's going to provide moving forward. Like he's really freaking good right now. You, you, between him and, and Cam Johnson, I'll ask you this question. I'll just frame it like this. Who, what's more important for that next step? Is it Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges taking a, a huge step to possibly push the Suns back to another finals? Or is it DeAndre Ayton finding that offensive ability to get the Suns back to the finals? Um, I think it's going to be between Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Because I think what happened, especially once Chris Paul started to struggle, struggle slash Drew Holiday just kind of took his lunch money sometimes, is that Phoenix was <laughs> <laughs> like Phoenix was short on shot creation. Like mm-hmm. they put a lot more on the shoulders of campaign, and like that's not fair to him at a certain point. And I think what we saw with Milwaukee in particular when they started switching more, 
or, or they were mixing in the switching with the draw because they started with switching in game one. That was a disaster. But as they got more detailed and effective with that, it kind of showed like, okay, Devin Booker's really the only guy that could just get it. And even when he was getting it, it's a lot of tough shots over Pat Connaughton. It's tough shots over Chris Mills. So like even he wasn't getting that the type of separation that like Ben's defenses. And so that's where it was kind of weird because you look at the advanced numbers or whatever, and it's like, okay, Phoenix has a 120 or whatever offensive rating, and they're still losing because the right. process was not great for them. It was just incredible shot making at a certain point. So I think as teams switch more against them, because as good as Devin Booker is, he's not a bursty guy. Chris Paul certainly isn't a bursty guy at this stage of his career. Like, you need someone that can, that can get it off the bounce a little bit. And since Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to be the guys that get the two best perimeter defenders to begin with, you need someone that can abuse those, you know, the third best defender on the team, fourth best defender. And, like, that's where Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson come in. We saw that for Cam Johnson throughout the postseason, particularly in the Clipper series. Like, he just had some stretches to where, like, it felt like he couldn't be guarded against second units. But for Mikael Bridges, I think that's why he didn't have, like, the wild postseason because he saw more switching in the later rounds. Like, the Clippers switched a ton and the Bucks switched a ton. First two rounds, they kind of get busy, and like Chris Paul and Devin Booker are leading dance anyway, so he's getting catch and shoot opportunities and stuff like that. So once he's forced to create, that's where it got a little wonky for him. And like I think he has potential there. Like I does, I think he has a functional enough ha- um, ha- handle. The athleticism is there. He obviously has shooting touch. Like the pull up jumpers that he took throughout the postseason, even in the regular season, like they looked good. So I think he can scale up some. But I think that's going to be more important because the shot creation in the postseason is so important. Devin Booker, did in your in your mind, did he take that step into superstardom uh, in this postseason, or does he still have some work to do to complete his game to really take him to that level? Uh, like I'm a stickler when it comes to like superstar titles, so like that it could very much be a me thing. Like I think there are like <laughs> six or seven superstars in the league, and like I don't think Devin yeah. Booker's there. Like if the question is, did he take a leap? Like absolutely. Like just from a leadership perspective, uh, from a shot creation perspective, from a playmaking perspective, really. Like he really did a better job of handling that. Like double teams did not bluster him the way that they did earlier in his career, which is a big positive. Like it also helps having confident teammates. Uh, you guys can speak to that <laughs> with Ben Hooker's history in Phoenix better than I could. But like it helps having that as well. But like he's he's making reads better. Like he's still not he's not a Luka Doncic that's gonna like manipulate defenses like that on possession by possession basis. But you saw more of that manipulation, like dribbling one way to make that help defender cheat down, making a corner skip. Like more of that's popping for him. So you combine that with the scoring that he has always provided, then absolutely. Like he's very much in that top twenty, the top fifteen, top twenty class now, with upside to get even better than that. Like I just I can't call him a superstar now. He has some superstar performances, but even throughout this postseason, which was very good on balance, he had some he had some clunkers in there. He had some stinkers in there, which, you know, this is his first postseason. So that's not anything to call him a fraud about or anything like that. But you know, that that game to game consistency and again even when he's making tough shots, they're tough shots. Like he's he's not a guy that's going to bend your defense and just blow blow by dudes off the trip, off the bounce. So, you know, the degree of difficulty is going to be a little bit higher for him. So he just has to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit better and quicker with his reads. But that's going to come with more experience. Like I think this postseason is going to be good for him. I, I think that is one of the most fair assessments I've heard uh, of Devin Booker. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could be of service. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a question for you regarding going forward for the Suns. Um, there's what, what do you think is more important for them? Is it to find a bigger, stronger, and better rebounding power forward to play ahead of 
Jay Crowder next to Aiden or to find a good backup for Aiden when, and, and keep the Suns as a one big offense and defense? Um, I think it's going to be finding the backup for Aiden. So I think uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I believe Phoenix's starting lineup was pretty good um, after, like, after that first month or so. I think the starting yeah. lineup was very good for the rest of the season. So like, I don't think that's an issue at all. Um, again, if you, you know, bank on more improvement from Mikael Bridges as an on-ball guy so you can get a little bit more rim pressure, because as good as Phoenix's offense was all year long, like they were among the lowest in terms of percentage of shots at the rim. So you would like to get more of that. And I think between Bridges and just Aiden playing with more force consistently, like you're going to get more shots at the rim, more free throws from there, easier possessions, you're set your defense on the other end. So I think that's going to be fine. I don't think you need to shift what they want to do, because ultimately – you know, a spread pick and roll attack with DeAndre Ayton as your long big, like that's a pretty strong foundation with the pull-up shooting that Devin Booker and Chris Paul provide already. Awesome. Uh, one one more from me, Nikias, if you don't mind. We heard some talk this week about uh, Coach Monty Williams going into the Bucks locker room after the game. Uh, uh, I'm not going to share my – I wanted, I just want to hear what was your take on the situation? The backlash was silly on the surface. It was silly. Like, even if you felt, even if you were in the camp that felt like, you know, Monty's ruined at the moment, he's making it about himself. Like, it's a five minute speech in which they're still going to spend all night celebrating and then they're going to have a parade. Like, what does this even mean? And then we get like Giannis saying, oh, I invited Monty in. So now it's even more ridiculous that there was backlash about it. Like, Monty's one of the most genuine dudes in the league probably one of the most genuine dudes in the country, to be completely honest with you. But, like, it's just not a big deal. What are, what are we doing? It's fine. Trolls are going to troll, man. Trolls are going to troll. <laughs> man, I swear. And and that is why Nikias Duncan is one of the best in the business. He gives it to you <laughs> straight and honest, and we appreciate that here on the Solar Panel. If you want to hear more of Nikias, the Dunker Spot podcast is where you can find him. You can also find him on Twitter at Nikias. NBA, I highly recommend it because you're going to get smarter about the game by following and listening to this man. Nikias, thank you so much. Anything you want to promote before we get let you go? Uh, you've done the important promoting. Like Follow me on Twitter at Nikias NBA. <laughs> follow the Dunker Spot with Steve Jones Jr., former assistant coach, former video coordinator. We talk X's and O's. We sprinkle in some puns. It's great most of the time. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, we're going to be there. Um, as far as the written side, like you find my written work at basketballnews.com. Um, just dropped the piece on Giannis uh, not too long ago. Just dropped the Damian Lillard trade piece because the people love trade pieces, apparently. Uh, Got to pay the bills, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's a free agency. Get them clicks. <laughs> Got to do what you can. Got to mix in the film stuff with the fun stuff. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's recent work. Um, going to be shifting more to free agency stuff. I'm going to have like a draft grade type piece after the draft next week. So I did one last year, so you can expect that from me. But other than that, it's going to be free agent coverage and Olympic coverage. So, uh, Well, right. we appreciate Thanks your time guys. this morning. We appreciate really you. Do. No problem. Uh, Thanks for having me. He is Nikias Duncan again. Check him out wherever you get podcasts, the Dunker Spot podcast and at basketballnews.com. Uh, guys, I I wasn't blowing smoke. I actually love how honest his perspective is when it comes to to a lot of this stuff, uh, and I, I really do appreciate him being on. But we've got, as we talked about off the top, 
very limited time to talk about a lot of things that are coming up uh, here. We've got draft free, you know, Whew. draft. Eh, when you got the 29th pick and uh, you've already got a pretty packed roster. We, are we going to, are we going to pre, are we going to pre label the, the post draft podcast uh, to who the heck is blank and just uh, fill in the name after that? Yeah. Let's just, let's Basically. just get it out of the way. The sun's drafted. Who the hell is that? And then I'll just <laughs> edit in. <clears throat> I'll just edit in the name, and we've got our we've got our draft show. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's choking well, up over this. Yeah, we'll just um, we've got our draft show done right there. I mean that that that's usually well, let's, let's let's take a couple of minutes to talk about the draft before we go into free agency because that's the more exciting part I think for the Suns this year. Let me make a couple of points on the draft. The first point is if you're gonna have Chris Paul on some kind or someone similar to him. Like if you're, if you're a fan of, well, let's move on from Chris Paul because he's old, just like you were last year. And gosh, look what happened. Um, then if you want to move on and go to some other, it's going to be another starting caliber, all-star level point guard. James Jones is not going to regress. So you got four big contracts a year from now. You need cheap labor is what I'm saying. You need draft picks to work out like Cam Johnson. Uh, you need Jalen Smith to grow into a guy or trade him for a guy who's also young, who's going to hoot and cheap, who's going to grow into being a rotation player. The Suns really benefited even this year with having Cam Johnson um, and, and, you know, not to not to not even touching on the uh, minimum wage uh, uh, free agents the Suns have, but they got youth from the draft. Ty Jerome turned out to be a better player in year two. He would, he looked way overmatched in year one for the Suns. He went to Oklahoma city, made 42% of his threes and, and, and five a game in the second half of the year. And yeah, that was a bad team, but we, we know from Devin Booker that it's not your, it's not your fault. If your team is bad, it's the whole team's fault. The Suns need cheap labor. So they got, I think they need to draft somebody or use that to get another young player with, uh, with a low salary. That's, that's so, my big tip. I completely agree. And, and, and if we look at the previous regime, let's just say it that way, or uh, at least the last 10 years uh, before this, this season and actually the last two seasons, you, you just got to hit on a certain percentage of your picks, right? I think a, a good mark is if you can hit on 60% of your picks, you're doing pretty good, you know, or at least recognizing when you do make a draft or do have a draft pick, like let's just say Marquise Chris, right? The ability to recognize in that first year when there's still unknown potential out there, as we say it, uh, the ability to see that and be like, uh, I don't think this dude's who we thought he was and we should trade him for value now before he has no value. Before um, the rest of the league. Realizes. Before the rest of the league finds out, right? And I think good GMs will do that, right? And so when you, when you see what James Jones did with, with Ty Jerome, he didn't see any value uh, here locally with what they had in tow, and so they, they they moved him, and I thought that was a smart move. Obviously, they needed to do that in order to get Chris Paul as well, but um, you know, when you when you see those kind of things, that's how you want it to work out. When you got Jalen Smith, he's he's been in the fold, but you got to understand with Jalen Smith, and I hope everybody else understands, and I hope people get to see him play this summer in the summer league because he didn't have a summer league. Everything was microwaved for him. He didn't even have a chance to like get acclimated before the season started. It, everything was so fast. And so to, to expect him to contribute in any way, shape, or form this year was a lost cause. This season, he's going to have two months now 
for the next two months, I would be shocked if Jalen Smith isn't in the gym right now as we speak, um, just putting in the work to try and get himself ready for next season. Uh, and that summer league is going to be huge for him. It's going to be ginormous just because that's summer the first only in three weeks. <laughs> I know it's crazy uh, because that, that that's the first time he's going to get consistent playing time for at least a week um, since his college days. And uh, it's going to be very valuable for him and, and whoever they get at the 29th pick. And I'm not even going to say that the 29th pick is a throwaway because you never know who could slide down that far. Um, you know, you might be able to get some, some senior uh, out there or junior out there that's that's been through the wars at at his level and has a little bit of you know gumption about him and, and is able to provide a little bit of a, a provide a little bit of you know whatever off the bench. Remember, these this team's going to lose possibly lose each one more. Langston Galloway, uh, Javon Carter didn't get a lot of run in the playoffs. Um, you have to find guys that are good system fits and good locker room guys in order to replace those dudes if you're going to replace them at all. Well, one thing that this franchise has struggled with is, well, draft in general, but when you look, when you get beyond the early picks, I mean, for years they've struggled. I believe probably the last successful later round pick, you know, was Gorn. If you go back and, and look, and when we're talking, was that, you know, mid-2000s, the last time they they really hit on a guy, but that's that, yeah. What that's the kind of, those are the kind of picks that make the difference between long term success at the top of a of a league and middling playoff team, right? It's that cheap labor that you're talking you're about, Dave. Tyler Fine. uh Ulis and uh <laughs> Elliot Cobo were oh. not good. Uh, Alondo Tucker, you know, we can go yeah. further back. You know, all these. Uh, all these guys that done well with the late first, early second picks, but um, yeah, I just, I, we're not draft guys, so we're not going to say names. Sorry to the folks in the, in the chat. Uh, we appreciate you guys throwing names out, but I don't even recognize them. So uh, we'll just well, see. You what don't happens. know Mac McClung. Yeah. Right. The former so, Georgetown and now what Texas tech uh, red Raider. Come on now. Mac McClung's a, good for you, a basketball legend, baby. This good Mark, Mark, Marquise, is that how you say it? Chris guy they're talking about in the uh, chat? Sounds intriguing. <laughs> DJ Strawberry. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> DJ is another Strawberry. name. Oh, that one hurts. Hey, man, I remember hurts. having hopes for DJ Strawberry. I had hopes. But that's the thing. You need mm. to hit on those kind of picks. Not every one yeah. of them. Nobody hits on every one of them. But you have to find one or two guys when you're picking 29th or in that second yeah. round that can actually have an impact. Because to your point, Dave, this this uh, roster in terms of salary is going to be top-heavy real yeah. quick with all these extensions. And if you're going to extend uh, you know, DA and McHale, and then you're looking at Chris Paul for – Three years, a hundred million. Devin Booker, obviously, his salary continues to increase, and he he actually, surprisingly enough, is eligible again for another extension. You're going to be top heavy on money, so you got to find unique ways to get quality players in at a price that work is advantageous for you. Drafting well is one of those. Let's face it, James Jones has been trying to draft in the late first round for years now. I mean, now he finally gets the pick he always wanted. So let's see what he does with it. Yeah. Based on, I remember 
two years ago based on draft boards. Uh, Cam Johnson probably would have been there at the 29th. I, pick I will there, so. I will throw a name out there just because it's it's fun and Dave's going to be irked by me uh, doing this. Uh, I really would love to see Jared Butler slide to the Suns. Gerard um, Butler, one of my favorites. Jared, Jared, Jared Butler, <laughs> Gerard Butler. Uh, from, from Baylor. I think his uh, his defense, you know, somebody in the chat said, you just need to get some dogs on your team. And Jared Butler is absolutely a dog. And he might slide because of his uh, uh, pre-draft um, physical that had a, uh, he had something to go with his heart or whatever. But he's been cleared How now. But that uh, he's 22. So oh. he's a little bit of an older, older, Perfect. older guard. Um, yeah. but man, he's, he's a dude that, uh, just gets after it on the defensive end. Um, and so I would like to see him. And if we draft him, that means we get to say the Butler did it when he does something fun. So, oh my God. so there we curious. go. What James Jones does in the draft year one in the draft. He made what? Three trades on draft day. I mean, uh, changed half the roster on draft day. And yeah. then year two, all he did was just pick Jalen Smith and it was over. Ooh. So, uh, but you can count on us probably. I don't know. We haven't talked about this yet. Are we going to do a post game or post draft pod or are we going to wait till Saturday morning since it's Thursday anyway? Who the hell knows? You're asking me to think four days ahead. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, All right. Uh, so we'll talk about the draft after it happens because we're no good at talking about it before. Let's move on to free agency. Yes. Let's do that. Let's do that. This pod free agency has much more fun. Look, free agency, obviously. They're the biggest question, and Nikaias brought it up while we were talking with him, it, it comes down to the first domino that has to fall is what the hell is going to happen with Chris Paul, right? Rumors this week that, oh, the Lakers are going to make a run at CP3 because if there's a guy out there that has a pulse, the Lakers reportedly are going to try to get him. Oh it's, it's that time-honored tradition of it's the beginning of the offseason, so the <laughs> Lakers are going to sign everybody and their younger brother, whether they're good or not. Philip, but, Bo- Philip Boozer, Kofi Blackburn went back to Illinois, just so you know. There you go. Keep going. Sorry. Are, are we speaking English or am I having a stroke? What, no, keep was going. It? Keep <laughs> going. <laughs> anyway, keep so, going. Uh, so what is CP3 going to do? There's some options. Obviously, opt out re-sign in a, a three-year extension uh, and spread that money out over the three years. Opt into his $44 million and extend for an additional two years, which the Suns can do with him uh, this offseason and have it, again, equal about $100 million <laughs> is what people assume, uh, but defer some, or have that money front-loaded so you save on the back half of that contract, or he could opt out and walk away. Those are can the we still three... do Bobby Bonilla contracts? I mean, can we no, do that? I, you can't do that in the NBA. Uh, uh, so, so we will not be paying uh, Chris Paul until 2051. We will not have CP3 day here in <laughs> Phoenix. Bobby Bonilla where he gets a million the, had the best ever. But anyway, still does. Still getting whatever. paid by yeah. by the Mets. But when you look at this, yeah. what do you think is the most likely outcome of the three? When it comes to Chris Paul being the first domino to fall, Dave, uh, what do you think? Uh, gosh, what do I think is most likely is that he's going to opt out and sign a three-year new contract that's around $30 million a year. That's what I think is most likely. What I'd prefer is that he picks up the player option for $44 million next year and signs for an extra fifty over the two after that. Still three years, same exact three years. It's just that you're front-loading it, basically, which the NBA does not allow normally. They don't allow any kind of front-loading. Um, the NBA is built to be a growing salary sport. So 
Uh, it's very rare that you have declining. And if you do want to do a, do a declining in the NBA, it's got to be like no more than 5% a year. So it's not really declining. Um, so what I'd prefer is that he does 44 for one year, then 25 a year after that. So when DA and Mikel, you don't have to make a choice like Sam Presti had to make in 2011 or 2012 with James Harden. And because Sam Presti had it a lot tougher, by the way, people are going to remember the thunder <clears throat> trading James Harden. They already had extended Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to the, to the five-year maxes. And then we're facing James Harden and Serge Ibaka. So it's not quite like that, but it's close because you got CP3 and Devin Booker on huge contracts, and now you have to extend both DA and Mikel. Um, I don't want them to have to choose. I don't want Robert Sarver to have to choose. Um, so I'd rather CP make 25 a year in those first two in those last two years of his contract, the first two of DA and Mikel. Let, let me be very clear. They never should have to choose now that there's gambling money coming into these teams. They basically are printing money in Arizona now, so there should never be a choice. Even if you have to go in the tax, spend the damn money. Saul, so what do you think, uh, CP3? What's the best CP3 option? You know, I, I hear where Dave's coming from. Um, I'm a, I I feel like the window on CP3 is closing, right? Um, in yeah. terms of his his production, and I think if if you don't get the assets you need to early on, um, like especially I, I would say this year, right? This year I feel like is like the next best thing you're going to have, and then after that, uh, it, it you're very much hoping that Da and Mikael and Cam are going to take such a significant jump to offset what Chris Paul is going to lose, and so for that, I would say I would I would I would like for them to save money this year in order to be able to pull in the assets that they might need to get them over the hump and win a championship. Um, let's oh, be real. Just get her done is what you're saying. Yeah, just get it done. Um, I let, let, Let's be real, okay? Um, I was never going to use the excuse of injury uh, as the as reason why the Suns got to the finals, and I still don't believe that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, health is going to be a significant reason why other teams are more competitive than they were this past season. Uh, Golden State being one of them. Uh, obviously, the Nets being fully healthy would help. But you never know how things are going to play out. People can get re-hurt again. Anthony Davis stays hurt, like whatever. But you took advantage of a window that was there. Uh, and so I think if the Suns are going to do that again, uh, with the Clippers possibly losing Kawhi for the rest of the year, uh, you know, you, you got to take advantage. And the, the window is right now. And so I think that that's, that's the reason why I wouldn't. I hope he does not accept the extension, and I hope he just or uh, the the player option. And I sure. hope they just give him a three year okay, deal. Okay, so you're going win now, off. get the most money yeah. possible. So he's got a lower salary this year. That's definitely a valid. Okay, let's uh, let me just do a quick uh, primer for free agency for everybody. Um, the Suns uh, don't have a lot of money. They're now the the going uh, worry today is whether they're going to willing to go into the luxury tax or not. Almost no NBA team, no matter how cheap you think Robert Sarver is, almost no NBA team purposely goes in the luxury tax unless they absolutely have to to re-sign a guy that they have. And uh, the Suns don't have to do that this year. Right now it's, 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 uh, it's Chris Paul, and then they'll have a little bit of extra money to spend. So the Suns are not swimming in money. Um, where, where they really just need to do is decide, or you want to run it back and then just add, like Nakaya said, add a big. Um, and then add maybe a playmaker in the backcourt. That's a great 
way to just run it back if you believe this team will just get better next year. And uh, whatever uh, uh, loss you have on Chris Paul's performance, you gain on the natural improvement of Booker Aiden and Bridges and Cam Johnson and all those guys, which is a very valid thing to think if you're worried about um, the Suns being able to run it back. So uh, that's the thing. And if you want to do that, then, yeah, you do the three-year contract for CP. So you get even a little bit more spending money because if you can get him for 30 mil this year instead of 44, you know, there's your 14 million for yeah. and a, and a second a good add, add to the team. Yeah. yeah. But you, you still have the mid-level. Uh, you know, if, if if you go over, you're likely going to have the injury exception that you're going to get for Sarich, which I believe is 4.2. Uh, he has to, Sarich has to be ruled out for the entire season, and he's not going to be. Uh, so they won't get. I still, exception. I still think they're going to talk him into that. You know, like, hey, let's sit it out. You rehab. Really? We'll get you back for that last uh, year. Let's get that. Yeah, Let's because, the, because the what's money. the point of what's the point of him coming back basically right at playoff time? Well, yeah, to experience if playoffs, if you're lucky, I mean, a that's assuming he's ready to go. You know what I mean? I mean? Like, oh, that's that's a lot. I mean, he got injured in July, right? Like, yeah. there's no not even a guarantee that April playoff time he's ready to go. My guess is that they have that. But uh, before we move on from from Chris Paul, I I I actually think. I, I agree in part, Saul. If you're going to extend him, that's the way to do it to save the money up front. But I actually think I want to just see him pick up the player option and then they can, you know, they both can make a decision about their future next year. No extension. That's I, ideal to me. I think if they, if he picks up his player extension, okay, if he picks up his player extension and that's it and they don't extend him or anything like that, they're just like, okay, well, let, let, let this next year play out. I think that's the end of the Chris Paul era after another year. Which I'm fine with that because he's going to be almost 38 at that point. I run it back one year. You see, can you replicate that success? And then you move into a new era as that as that uh, Aiton and Bridges extension come on the books and you figure out what that next, what that next phase is. Because then that gives both sides a, a, a way – if Chris Paul wants to just go ring chase, if it doesn't work great, he can do that and go wherever he wants. If the Suns decide it's time to, to go younger and look at what the future at that position is, they can, it's the best of all worlds and it doesn't tie up 50 million over uh, the, you know, the back half of it, uh, you know, or, or 60 million, depending on how it's structured. I think that's the way I'd rather see, see this play out and, and just play this as a one year. Did we catch lightning in a bottle or is there, is there a real window here overall? And everybody can figure that out together. I, I feel like that's the best of, of all worlds for all involved, uh, including, uh, uh in, including CP three in that, uh, in that case, I, I do not look at trading Chris Paul. I've heard uh, some people suggest a poo-poo platter from the Lakers. And I'm like, if I'm going to tie up 44 million, I don't want some other team's crap. I want, I want to spend it on Chris Paul or clean slate. I'll go after somebody else. If he walks the Lakers, first of all, this Lakers talk is absolutely trash because they can't even afford them. They can't afford them. They have like $5 million available. That is it. That's not enough for Chris Paul. And that means you got to trade who? None of their other assets, 
you would have to trade like five dudes off that team just to create $45 million for Chris Paul. It's exactly. not going to happen. And you don't, and the kind of people you're the kind of five guys you're going to accumulate aren't the kind of five guys you want to spend 44 million. No, on. it's the kind that you want to eat because it's a burger shop. That's the only thing you can afford. Yeah. So like, look, I, I, it's it, for me, it's either take the, it, one year, 44 million or, if he walks fine, you got 44 million to play with to try to find, uh, find an option for the future like that. I'm fine with either well, of those. It wouldn't be you ideal. Don't, you don't but... actually have, sorry, it's not that simple. You don't actually have the 45 million, 44 million to spend. Then it's all related to the cap. They would have less than half of that. Okay, if, if so you'll have twenty-two million to go find a point guard of the future, or yeah. or, or plug the hole for for a year or two. The the Dennis point Schroeder is getting twenty-two million. He shot thirty percent in the playoffs. I, I look, I'm I'm just I, I you could go make a run at Spencer Dinwiddie. Hope the injury, what whatever. There there's options. I'm just saying my my one A is keep Chris Paul keep him at the 44 million and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that, but it's not the end of the world. If it goes another way that you be, you free up options as well uh, is, is what I'm, I'm trying to say, but there's a lot. It's not just Chris Paul though. There's a lot of other things on this roster that you have to answer. You've got C or campaign. Who's a free agent uh, that, that you have early bird rights on, but you got to figure out, what is he actually worth? And to a lesser extent, you got to figure out Tory Craig, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, and Frank Kaminsky. Obviously, declining, uh, declining importance on that list. But with campaign, do you go all out with those early bird rights and and, and extend him? I mean, they can they can extend him. I, I believe up to around ten million a year based off of uh, the early bird right rules. The, right. Yep. Right, exactly. correct. It's, it's not the it's not the MLE. They still would have that as well. They just have the right to go up to about ten million a year, which is more than enough that that Cam would ever get offered by anybody. So yeah, wh what is it? You can go ten percent above the average salary uh, last yeah. year in the NBA, yeah, yeah. Uh, because because the general way the the bird rights work, you're not gonna you're not gonna give him a percentage of what he was making because he was making basically the minimum because of. Uh, you know where they they pulled them off the scrap heap, so you're not going to go that route. But Saul, would you invest ten million a year over you know three four years in campaign? Do you believe enough in him as being a, a key cog in this? I think a four year thirty million dollar deal would make me feel good. Um, yeah. I don't know about ten a year. It's just because he's still he's still unproven. Um, and 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 the thing I would say is is I need to see campaign. And he did it against the Clippers, so I I, I can't I can't knock him uh, for not being able to see him do this. So I you know I'm kind of gonna contradict myself, but I need to see it over a longer period of time, um, and I need to see a little bit more consistency. For me, campaign, and you saw it in the playoffs. He was very up and down. He had some fantastic games that really saved the Suns' ass, especially against the Clippers. Um, and then he kind of disappeared. Like in the finals, he kind of disappeared until Game Six. He had a really good game, um, and I was actually wanting him to be out there a little bit more because of how ineffective Chris Paul was um, in the first half. Uh, but you know, we we just didn't get really we didn't get a real good sense of where campaign was after the first couple rounds of the playoffs, uh, especially once we got to the finals. So, but as a, a good solid backup, somebody that provides energy, somebody that can run the offense, and somebody that can change the pace 
I thought campaign did a fantastic job. So yeah, I think seven, eight, maybe 9 million a year. I'm cool with 10, 11, 12. I don't know. And you're banking on the fact that no other team would offer him $10 million a year. And there's some desperate teams out there for some point guards. So well, I don't and know. You're, you're banking on, he not only sustains his play, but likely improves a little bit over the next few he years have too. To. He would which, have to, which is, that's a big gamble. What I, what I hope happens is I hope Monty says, look, calls him up and says, look, we're trying to build something here. Uh, you know, we took a chance on you. You took a chance yeah. on us. Give us, give us a little bit of that hometown discount. You know, try to. Yeah, I think we, I think we want you to be part should, of that. That should not work. I think, um, <laughs> I think I've seen Lonzo Ball's name in the chat, like every other chat comment for the last uh, five <sighs> minutes here. Look, guys, it Lonzo Ball is a restricted free agent, right? I'm reports sure say is. reports do say New Orleans does not plan to yeah, but he still him. is a restricted free agent. He's gonna get Dennis Schroeder money, which is twenty twenty two million dollars a year. From who? Well, one of them desperate team who's gonna offer him. It's just it just he's oh. not gonna he's not gonna he's gonna get that contract even if he comes back to the Pelicans. That's just a value thing. I'd rather have campaign at eight million or six million or seven million. Then Lonzo Ball at the, twenty or twenty-two. The the conversation should be if campaign finds a better offer and leaves, then what do we do? Then that's that's the conversation in my estimation. If campaign wants to stay, campaign is the answer. It's not Lonzo Ball. No, right. look, uh, look, I'm gonna die on it on this hill forever. Bring Goran back. That seems to be my every time that guy has a potential to be a free you're agent. You're worried about age and injuries in the playoffs. I'm kidding. So, uh, okay. All right. I'm kidding. All right. I, I would yeah, say yeah. I, I would like to see two names. Actually, just one name, really, honestly. And I mentioned this to you guys uh, in text. Uh, if campaign were to leave, and I know he doesn't possess the offensive firepower campaign can provide from time to time, but I would like to see TJ McConnell. And I'm not saying that as a UVA homer. would be great. Because he, he provides what you need on defense. He's a pest. He's a team leader. He's great in the locker room. Like everybody loves him. Like I think that would be a great fit. Not Eric Payton. Bledsoe, Mega Giants '89. Go back <laughs> home. <laughs> look, yeah, look. Bledsoe. I I agree. That McConnell would be couldn't interesting. Watched a minute of the finals. What do you guys think, Eric Bledsoe? He'd be no. like the least likely person no. to enjoy the finals. He's why at the hair salon. Why would you? Why would you put yourself through that? A name that I find intriguing and is a bit of a blast from the past. But if you let Cam Johnson go, and you're looking campaign, for campaign, or, excuse, excuse me, campaign. If you let Cam Johnson go, we're storming the cast. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, if if you let campaign walk, a guy that could fit a similar role at a much cheaper price, Ish Smith would be interesting to me. Uh, he's hey, got that. Ish speed. is basically campaign. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. You could you could get what you get out of out of campaign at a at a lower price. That would be and maybe uh, an, like the franchise again. You know, an interesting option there. Uh, look, hey guys, sorry, I got to run. I just want to throw one name out there. I'm sorry, I got to leave you guys early. I got to go in a couple minutes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna throw one name out there that I think uh, should be on everybody's mind is Daniel Tice as a backup big. The dude I, uh, just does a little bit of everything, has a little bit of extension, you know, extended range, and he's he's he at least looks like a dog, and I think he plays like one too. I so. think I think he may be one of those guys that gets way overpaid. He may get the bag this summer, and more so than the Suns can uh, 
can provide. But one second option, Mason Plumley from Detroit. They have like 18 centers on that team. <laughs> I would trade Javon Carter and uh, Jalen Smith for Mason Plumley. Miles Plumley, uh, willing to come along for free as well. Yeah, so. right. So All right, they, guys, they, I got to run. He is over Fox Dave King. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave King NBA. The NBA is there because. Uh, I, I guess he's still covering basketball, even though it's the off season. Uh, so let's keep going through this. Uh, Dave can go have his breakfast. You and I can talk some additional basketball. For me, when you look at the remainder of those guys on the list that the Suns have to consider re-signing, none of them stand out as overly important to me. I would love to have uh, Tory Craig back, but I, it would have to be at the right price, right? Because I, I feel like his skill set is a skill set you can find multiple places. Uh, maybe not a guy that has, has fully brought, bought into this system or with the same amount of energy, but I feel like you can find a, a similar guy to that. I would not overspend. On, on Greg. I wouldn't, I wouldn't overspend, but I also wouldn't say that you can find a similar guy to that be just because of the, the energy and the effort that he puts out on the court. Um, it's infectious. Uh, we saw that. Uh, in the playoffs. And we saw that, you know, basically since he's gotten here, you know, and so I would, I wouldn't say that, that it's replicable um, by a lot of guys in the NBA, but I would say you could find other assets that will give you a little bit more tools in the shed uh, to play with. So, uh, you know, with, with, with Tori, I would love to see him come back. I think he's a great energy guy, great off the bench, um, gives you a little bit of what you need. Um, when you're struggling, uh, and he and he and he showed that he can hit the perimeter shot too. So you know the ability to spread the floor is vital. But you know if we're talking bigs, um, you know I, we had mentioned Javale McGee. Uh, I know he's kind of goofy and he has his little quirks and he does some dumb stuff sometimes on the court. But he's a bona fide big man. He can block shots. He can go up and get it on the offensive uh, boards. Uh, you know he's going to give you a little bit of what you were missing. Think about if you had Javale McGee against Giannis this year. I think it's a little bit of a different uh, play just because of his length and his awkwardness. It's Sometimes it's very hard to figure those types of dudes out, and the rest of the league hasn't really been able to figure out JaVale McGee like that. And so I think that would be good. Serge Ibaka is another name that I really like. I really, really like. I'm just afraid you're talking about the 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 age and the injury at that point, right? He's, yeah. he's an older guy. He just I think he had back surgery this year. Um, that's why he didn't play with the Clippers, uh, but he's a veteran. He he plays tremendously on the defensive side. Uh, he can block shots. He can rebound. He can shoot the perimeter shot. Like I like, and I I think he's a good addition to the locker room. And that's the other part of this is Monty and James Jones. It's not just about what you can do physically and athletically on the court. It's also about what your demeanor is like in the locker room and what you provide to this organization to keep the mojo going, you know, Chris Paul is a very difficult person from what I hear, a very difficult person uh, to fit around because he has, he has requirements and he has expectations of what you should be uh, to, to this team. And, um, and not everybody's built for that. Not everybody's built for that. And so you got to find the right guys um, that, that can handle that and be a, a an attribute uh, on the court and, and in the locker room. Well, let's establish this too. I don't think we really touch on this, but I, I am of the belief that you're nibbling around the edges this offseason. You're not, there's no, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you're not big game hunting. You're trying no. to find find these guys that, that fit in, in backup roles, can can bolster 
the roster. That is, unless CP3 decides he wants to play elsewhere, then obviously you're hunting for a point guard. But let's operate under the assumption that he's back for, at the minimum, one year. You're looking at how do you bolster things, right? To me, you know, I'm, I'm interested in a, in a couple of big names. I don't know about JaVale McGee. I don't know if he fits that locker room uh, you know the the locker room standard that James guys, Jones and Monty Williams guys love for. guys love him like guys love him like teammates yeah. love him. I mean that's I, depends on uh, yeah I don't know I I just he there's would, something about there's no way he'd be on the Olympic team if everybody hated his guts. Well, I'm not saying they hate you. Well, I just mean, because a locker room likes you does not mean you're a good locker room guy. That just means you could be a really fun dude to hang around. That doesn't mean which is that, a good locker room guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> just because you're having a cocktail party out of your locker does not mean that you're the kind of guy that you want to fit a culture. Is is the point? Uh, but you know, look, it, it's an interesting name to me, uh, Nick Batum. If if you want to add a, a guy that can be a stretch and can play four and five in a smaller lineup at the right price, he could be interesting. A veteran name that could help with some of the rebounding situation when you need it off the bench is a Paul Millsap that I that I think could be intriguing at the right price. Look, I'm not talking a guy that's going to play major minutes, but if he were your if you were your guy, if it went. Uh, you know, if if he was one of your guys in the big man rotation this year that you could have brought in instead of Frank Kaminsky at, at that time, that that's a benefit. He's the kind of guy that could be a back half of the roster, break glass in case of emergency. He just seems like that, such a he's, he's he just seems like a, a smaller version of what you're looking for and a slower version of what you're looking for. What? But when you when you've got. I mean, you're you're gonna have to fill some of these holes with veteran minimum guys and a guy willing to sign a one-year four million dollar deal. Like, really, your one your one big play is your mid-level exception at around ten million, right? And then you're gonna have to fill in with with veteran minimums and and other smaller <clears throat> exceptions potentially. So, you know, you have to if, va- value if, hunt if Da. God forbid, if DA had to sit out for whatever reason, right? You know, whether it be injury or whatever, like, do you want to replace him with Paul Millsap? No, oh, I'm not saying he's your, no. your only big option. I'm just saying he is an option for that third third guy that you're going to need, as we saw in a long playoff run. And then, uh, you know, New Orleans Noel is an interesting name to me that if, if you wanted a guy – that could fill in if Aiton got hurt for a short time, had foul trouble in certain games. He's he's a guy that can come in and do some of the things that you're getting from DA. Not not all of them. He's not going to be great, but he's good, and that's what you need in that position behind your your star big. I think he could be very very intriguing, and I think he might be able to be had with that mid low. I, I completely agree. Um, I loved what he did in New York this season. Uh, it seemed like he had a bounce back year, um, played very well for the Knicks. I, I really do like that. Uh, a lot of people in chat also like that. I saw a lot of uh, people mention him already. Uh, and when you re-mentioned him again, uh, Iverson vlogs, yes, Noel, three exclamation points. And if you know me, I'm all about three exclamation points. So, uh, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, Nerland's Noel uh, defensively, 
gives you a little bit of uh, of dog in you. And uh, he's got energy. He plays hard. Like, yeah, I love that. Uh, and no, hello, hear me out, Morris Twin. No, no, sorry, never, no. None, never. none of them, never. Ever, ever. I, I don't want anybody named Morris again after and, that and, experience. And, and Kelly Olenek, somebody had mentioned Kelly Olenek, uh, Gabe Sandoval, I think. Or Gabe Sandoval and I used to play basketball back in the day. Uh, but Kelly Olenek, uh, I, I'm not I'm not a big Kelly Olenek guy just because of the fact that I feel like this team has um, a healthy balance of, of dog versus finesse. And I think Kelly Olenek provides a little bit more finesse than he does dog. And I don't want to tip the scales that way. I'd rather, we need a little bit more aggression. Um, and I think everybody could agree. It would have been nice every now and then just to see Giannis on his ass uh, in the playoffs, just to, to, to let him know like, Hey, uh, if you're going to come to the hole, you're going to have to come hard. Cause uh, th this ain't the, this ain't the life. Uh, and, but unfortunately that did not happen. So a couple guys I also like, and I don't know if you'll, you'll feel this way. JJ Redick. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's washed. But when he's not making 14, 15 million a year, and he may be a you know a four million a year or a veteran uh, kind of guy coming in, uh, I like that potential uh, spacing the floor, good locker room guy, great relationship with CP3. If if CP3 is still here, that's a name that intrigues me. And then on the the wing slash power forward kind of list, Doug McDermott. Who can hit those hit those threes, spread the floor uh, as potential? And Jamichael Green are names that I look at and go. If there's no chance uh, Denver's going to let Jamichael Green walk, he already opted out. So I don't know if they have a. I don't know if they have a a wink wink. We got you covered kind of deal. But he is a free agent. I don't know if there's a, an opportunity there. But those are just names looking at it. Like I said, if you got a. If you got to nibble around the edges, those are are the ones that that interest me. Bobby Portis. <laughs> Hell no. I I, Hell no. But why? But why? Tell me why. Because why he he helped rip my heart out. No, it, uh, it, you I need a few with, weeks before hey, you tell me Bobby Portis hey, might be the guy I hey, want. F your feelings right now, okay? Like well, this is business. <laughs> you know how many tweets I'd have to go back and delete just so Bobby Portis. Doesn't see them if he comes to Phoenix. You know, hey, I, like. I do like the fact that he did uh, He did embrace that Squidward uh, picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I actually, Bobby Portis is the kind of guy that could could have a, an impact here for sure. And I think he'd be, uh, you're, he's that kind of dog. The, the, the mentality that you're talking about that they need to add. Uh, add some here. You know, imagine if he had been on this side of things rather than, Mil than the Milwaukee side of things. It could have swung a series based on his rebounding and timely, timely buckets. So you know, actually, Sai in the chat brings up a point that uh, JJ Redick just for the podcast. We don't need any more competition on the Suns podcast front. So screw that. No JJ Redick here. Like, just no yeah, more competition. Five thousand podcasts popped up <laughs> out of nowhere since this run. Yeah, but no, I, I like to me. Again, value shopping is what this what this free agency is going to be. Uh, you're going to have to leverage the fact that people got a very good look about what this quote unquote program is about, right? Uh, you know, so they're going to they may, and I know you laughed when I suggested a discount, but that some guys will take a discount to come play here. They just won't, you know. It'll be guys that that are searching for a title 
or have made their money, those kind of things. That maintain to, to come play here, yes. To stay here is a different conversation. Okay. If, if I'm if I'm campaign, right? Okay, I'm campaign. I almost was out of the league. Yes, Monty hooked me up, got me here. But I've gone to the NBA Finals now, and I was a, a, a bona fide contributor to this team. I need to make some money now. Like, and if I have an opportunity to take 10 mil, 11, 12 mil somewhere else for three or four years, yeah, I'm probably going to do that because right now it's about, you know, setting myself up for, for, for my future as opposed to team success or individual success. I've already achieved that here. So I want that bag now. So that way I can set myself up for life. And that's, that's, that's why I'll never, I'll, I'll never discredit somebody like that for doing something like that. But again, if you're talking about, you know, something like eight versus nine million a year, if you're campaigning, you probably you could probably sacrifice three or four mil to stay here because you know the fit is perfect for you. You know the system, and you know you're going to be embraced and loved here, and so that's worth yeah. it to some guys. You know, that's fair. Guys staying may not take a discount. Guys coming may just because they mm -hmm. saw what this is about. A few names in the chat. I mean, everybody knows I'm a Lori Marketing fan but i yeah. don't i don't I, I imagine he's gonna make more money than the Suns would be able to to offer to bring him here still young still potential I, you know i i'd imagine he's gonna make more than that veteran uh or than that mid-level exception that you'd be able to bring him in on so i can't i can't see can't see him happening oh he's uh, tucker would he take the money like I don't know if that's a guy that's still looking to, to get paid or if he's looking. I don't to, think he's going to get paid though. I don't know. I I've I've seen I've seen dumber things coming off a championship, right? That's like true. That's true. if if people are equating uh, a lot of what the Bucks uh, were able to do and what they tapped into throughout that playoff run to PJ Tucker's edge, he may be a guy that gets paid too much over two years that you go, ah, I don't. I don't know that that's that's right. I love PJ. PJ's edge is fantastic. I, I think if you had traded for him and instead of you know flipping cash considerations from Tory Craig, we might have been talking about uh, a, a bit of a different ending to the season. Just because he was he's the kind of guy that would have gotten in there, mixed it up, got you some boards, done the defensive things that you needed. I just I, I don't know about the price tag. That's really that, that's what I wonder, and you've got a couple things you need to add, not just not just one piece. So I don't know spending it there. Aaron Baines, look, I think we saw the best that you're ever going to see out of Aaron Baines when he was here. He looked yeah. totally washed with the Tampa Bay Raptors <clears throat> this year. I <laughs> I just I don't uh yeah I don't see that as an option. Rashawn Holmes is another guy. He's you know gonna get, he's going to get a lot of money. On that's the my thought too. Like, you know, yes, was he was he good here when he played here? Did he bring the energy? Of course. Uh, we'll always be a fan favorite, but he's going to get paid based on what he was able to do this year as well. So I don't see that happening. This is going to have to get really creative. I don't know if there's a small trade. Like, like, like Plumlee's intriguing. I think he checks a lot of the boxes. I believe his salary is only uh, $8.5 over the next couple of years. I don't think it's that huge. So you could try to flip a trade but what are you trading and does detroit want that and you can't trade a first round pick until 2027 based on all the picks you flipped in the cp3 deal uh, and the and the pick swaps 
So you don't even have that as an, an asset. So what are you offering? Like those kind of things, like a pie in the sky. Yeah, that's great. But how are you actually going to make it happen? Yeah. James Jones is going to make his money this <laughs> this offseason because he's going to have to get creative to fill those holes that are still left. Well, I mean, he's shown that he could do it before. So, you know, I, I think everybody has a lot, a lot of confidence in what his ability is as a GM to be able to execute some of these deals. Um, and, you know, hey, yeah, only only he and Monty and in that front office knows exactly what this team is all about behind closed doors and what really is dispensable versus what really isn't. And so, you know, I have I have confidence that they're going to make um, they're going to make some moves that are going to make sense. Uh, and even if they don't, they have they have obviously garnered a lot of leeway into seeing how things play out because there has been plenty of decisions that they have made in the early going where we all were like, what? You know, the trade for cast considerations, trading uh, 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 TJ away or TJ, is it TJ? Yeah, TJ. TJ Warren. Uh, yeah, yeah, TJ Warren. I, don't know, I was thinking TJ Tucker for whatever reason. I was like, no, <laughs> that's not it. It's, um, you know, and then uh, drafting Cam Johnson, you know, all decisions that we were like, what? Why? And they've all worked out. <laughs> so uh, not not gonna not gonna hate on uh, on that uh, on that front office at all. I think that they have a plan. They always have a plan. They seem like they're very prepared and organized, and I think they're gonna execute it. And we'll see on draft day what happens because uh, that's the first stepping stone in all this. And and to the chat, no, we cannot bring cash considerations back. He's a champ now, which means that he's going to probably be priced out of the market that yeah. you're looking for. As much as I'd love to see Ring of Honor member uh, cash considerations back in the fold. So I, I think we're going to put a wrap on it there. We will have a little bit more time next Saturday to talk free agency as well as we'll be, I believe, one day away from the legal tampering period, which is the dumbest phrase in all of sports. You're either tampering or you're not. There's no legal way to tamper with somebody, oh, but we, we'll be close there. Yes, so. Seabook Star actually reminded me uh, that is a name that I would like to see, Montrose Harrell. I know a lot of other people do not want to see Montrose Harrell in a son's uniform, but he's a dog that I would love to see because he has the length, he has a little bit of dog in him, and he has uh, a passion about him to want to play and play hard. Um, so I like Montrose. Yeah. You know what I like too is Montrez Harrell is motivated to be both LA teams, and I like any guy that has a little uh, vendetta against uh, against LA. So I like that name as well. He's a guy. If you could, if you could get someone like that for that mid level exception, it could be a difference maker. And and the kind of as we said, nibbling around the edges that that really makes a lot of sense. So we will see yeah. there. Uh, we've got. Olympic basketball coming up. We're going to see Devin Booker at, I, I think you got to wake up like in the middle of the five, night. <laughs> 5 a.m. Tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. I got up early enough for this this morning. I'll watch it on, on DVR. Likely going to play some minutes there, Devin Booker. We've got the draft on Thursday. I'm leaning towards we'll probably do a show, but I, uh, I think we'll uh, let everybody know Wednesday if we're going to do a, a live draft show. Maybe we'll call up the Suns Jam Session boys and uh, and run it back with those guys, so we all can go. Who the hell is this dude? And uh, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe maybe we need to bring Casey Jacobson back, who bailed our <laughs> ass out on the Jalen Smith 
I was Thick so last glad. year. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, so we will we will be back later in the week though, talking everything draft and free agency. A big thank you to Nikias Duncan for joining us on the program today. Also, Dave King, who's off eating breakfast now with his family because you know you couldn't set that for nine thirty rather than uh, at nine o'clock. Uh, <laughs> so you can follow Saul Bookman at Saul underscore Bookman. The underscore is there, so we can fit an extra big in there for about ten. Million that can rebound in the NBA finals if necessary. You can follow me at Espo. You can follow the show at Sun Solar Panel. We will talk to you next time here on the Solar Panel. Ahoy, hoy. Barkley 20 footer. Yes, for the time. Finds the ball, Barkley puts it up, does it count? It does! Take it down!